Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where for the next 20 minutes or so, you'll hear from uh, the two of us about matters of the moment in the hotel investment space. Things have caught our eye in the last week or so. The Us are Andrew Sankster, the editor or director of Hotel Analyst, and me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, sat around the table and chewing over matters of import. And we're going to start by taking a look at the results and news in from Intercontinental Hotels, who uh, delivered their numbers uh, a week or so behind the uh, other big brands. Uh, but they also teased us with the exciting news that they're going to launch a collection brand. They're going to join the gang with a collection brand signing up independent hotels to their distribution and marketing system. Um, CEO Keith Barr said that uh, he was doing it because he could see plenty of demand for such a thing from the group. Uh, No name yet, we're still awaiting that. Um, so the excitement, more excitement to come. Uh, meanwhile, I think the uh, the latest quarter delivered uh, better results than they probably expected at the outset. Um, pretty much the same as we'd heard from the others, strong in China, almost as strong in the US, and the rest of the uh, world, Europe and Asia Pacific, dragging a little behind. Um, one of the other interesting things we learned was that uh, although they seem to have grown their system by 5% in the last year, uh, actually, when you net it out, they've been a, there's been negligible growth because they've been busy uh, chucking out um, Crown Plaza and Holiday Inn hotels, largely in the US, that don't fit their brand standards. And uh, they've been knocking on the doors of the owners of many more of these hotels and inviting them either to uh, upgrade to the latest standards or have, try their luck with a different brand. So uh, no growth this year at uh, IHG in their portfolio, although Barr was confident that uh, before too long things would be back to 5% growth a year and they'll be catching up with their rivals. You've got more than a nugget of um, insight there, Chris, with NUG, the net (laughs) unit growth piece. Um, IHG has repeatedly failed to deliver on this key metric for uh, fee income company um, like IHG whether it's Marriott it's Accor it's Hilton um, Joyce Wyndham NUG is critical and that net unit growth figure has to be competitive and it needs to be in the sort of five percent plus area which the the better performers are delivering um, well, of course, is pr- and of course higher highest as seven percent indeed indeed yes yeah. no they are they have been topping the NUG table mm. um um, um, which is why they're the apple of investors' eyes, uh-huh. along with choice, as we, as we, oh, <laughs> yes, as 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 we talked about uh, um, last week. But uh, yeah, what uh, IHG is promising is that it's going to change us around, and I think this this is collection brand is part of the 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 the, the armory um it, it's building to to come out there um all guns blazing to try and get this 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 growth piece done and i suspect what's happened is they've taken a, a harsh scalpel to its portfolio and thought let's get all the bad news out there now during this current uh downturn when the results are dreadful anyway uh people are looking forward so we'll we'll get rid of that stuff so that we can come out with uh uh, so as it were clear decks to, to add things rather than keep chipping away um, at our, our other poorer bits of the estate which we need to get rid of so um, 
it's certainly from an investor perspective, um, and it's in terms of the shareholder uh, of the shareholders of IHG, what they they will be very keen to see is that this nug um, gets positive and gets towards that five percent mark um, by this time next year at the latest. So I think there's a lot of pressure now on IHG to deliver that. Now I have to say, looking at the, the brand portfolio of IHG. Um, it, it is the, amongst the most coherent of the global majors. Perhaps only Hilton's got something to rival that. I mean, if you look at uh, Accor's, I mean, I, I you know I can make head and a tail of of the of <laughs> what Accor's trying to do with its patchwork of of differing brands. Um, similarly, Marriott has huge amounts of overlap with different brands in in all sort in the same sort of space. Whereas IHG does seem to have you know relatively clear swim lanes um for each of its brands um and as i say hilton's perhaps the next best uh, alongside um ihg so i, I think you know, these companies and both well i think perhaps more so hilton is a big push on organic growth rather than m a um i don't think ihg is going to engage in a lot of M&A either so they're all pushing for this organic growth piece and they're in a good position to deliver that now's the little matter of of needing to deliver it um one other thing from the results which uh strikes strikes me slightly odd is uh IHG uh, certainly in the US is has the strongest uh portfolio in the mid market um and but they don't seem to be embracing it or or know what to call it or uh, so it, it starts off being called mainstream rather than mid-market and now they seem to be calling it essentials uh i, I think they just need to settle on something and you know uh, celebrate the fact that their holiday in express is the top performer in its category and is, is is giving a good kicking to its rivals fairfield by uh the marriott rival and hampton the the hilton rival um and it, it is being very successful so i think they ought to push that one um slightly surprising it's not really going any you know going very well outside of the us and if you look at the uk uh, of course i she's home domestic markets at one level although i would say it's a quite a us focused company um the um, the UK is it's although it's been reasonable the rollout of Holiday and Express uh, compared to Premier Inn and to an extent Travelodge although I think Travelodge is is a bit below in terms of market segment where where Express is um, but IHG has not had the success of Premier Inn that's for sure Whitbread's Premier Inn which is now the biggest hotel brand in the UK and I think that was a big miss in that that rollout of of the uh the branded budget hotels um and that would have been a great platform for ihg to to move across europe had it got that bit right um interestingly um i you can look at you know this and what's going to drive interest from owners in these brands um certainly it's you know if they can deliver the best rate um analysts at bernstein to have taken a stab at this um, with some analysis and they're saying look Holiday Inn Express delivers the best rate um, although actually it's uh, Hilton with the best RevPAR um, but in terms of return on investment the critical piece for most investors obviously um, it's it's the extended stay brands within their different portfolios that deliver the best um, here so Candlewood Residence Inn and Home 2 the only um, sort of 
more conventional hotel brand which is delivering a great ROI in the 13% to 15% range is Hilton's True which um, has been the most successful of new brand launch of, of the recent period. So Hilton's had a big success there uh ihg hasn't emulated that success to quite an extent avid's doing pretty well or not quite as well as true um and coming at the bottom end in terms of that return on investment are the uh, more luxury and upper upscale brands the sheratons the conrads the marriott's the jw marriott's although these do offer owners the advantage of some sort of capital appreciation as well so you know they still make sense from a from an ownership perspective but it's an it, you know this bernstein analysis is quite interesting i think we're going to see more and more pressure on this um owners are going to be saying well look you know show me the money show me what i'm going to be making by putting my money in the, in these brands and concepts um and i think i hope we're going to see a little bit more transparency on this coming out of the global brand majors as there's more and more pressure on them to deliver on this these nug targets right so next we're going to be looking at spain where finally it seems not only is the sun shining this summer but uh, some tourists are actually arriving uh in limited numbers from various other parts of europe but uh, it's good news for the hoteliers, uh, particularly around the coast and in the islands, the Balearics and the Canaries, where the tills are starting to ring again and uh, things, things are starting to finally look up. Also, deal volume in, in Spain uh, picked up in the recent months um, and there's still more uh, people keen to deploy cash into the country because what the improving uh, trading environment means is that there are potentially going to be less bargains to be had, less uh, distressed uh, sales over the coming months as the uh, cash comes in to buttress things up. Um, and, and it is actually forcing um, investors to be a bit more bit more canny about how they get into the market. So, for example, at the end of July, uh, Castle Lake, which is a US investor, they uh, acquired almost 50% of the listed uh, Spanish company Millennium Hotels Real Estate which um, so they've done a deal which is, is prompted by a, a capital expansion which means that Castle Lake is going to effectively have half the uh, half the business and uh, will help catapult Millennium forward with a, a greater number of uh, acquisitions over the coming months so an interesting way to get into the market when everyone else is bidding for those uh, portfolios and individual properties that come up yeah i'm not sure that the recovery we're seeing is going to be good enough or soon enough in fact i'm pretty certain it's neither of those things and i think this summer is going to be a bad summer whether it's going to be as bad as last summer that that, that remains to be seen but it's not going to be a great summer i don't think it's going to come to the rescue of most owners and operators in southern europe i think it's it's very tough i'm not even sure if you look for that uh, 2022 is going to be that fantastic either um, there's still going to be some lag I suspect um, so we've seen, we've heard a lot about lag in the business travel market I suspect there will be some lag in the leisure travel market out to these out to southern Europe I mean where we've seen boom in the leisure market has been in the staycation hot spots of northern Europe where you know there's usually a far bigger outbound than there is an inbound of course this year has not been the case as indeed it wasn't the case last year um, I think that 
the capital stacks of most of these southern um, European owners are going to be in a very very bad way and they're going to have to do something to fix it um, and I think you've highlighted one area where they've, they're doing that calling in the out of the castle rock deal calling in outside investors we're going to see a lot more deals like that there's a lot of people circling the market they're smelling opportunities i think overall in terms of what this means for the market it's probably a good thing what we're seeing is uh, a more sophisticated market rapidly evolving in the resort space the undercapitalized often family-owned businesses are exiting and they're being replaced by financial Financially stronger institutional quality owners um, who are using their much stronger capital position to to reposition these assets. Um, I think existing large-scale players in Spain are having a traumatic time too but I think in most cases they're going to be able to to use um, um, you know they're going to be able to call on capital to come to the rescue. Um, um, Net net, I think what we're going to see is a more consolidated, more professionalised marketplace, um, and and I think it's only going to cause the resort market to flourish and look much more promising um, from an institutional investor perspective. To look at what's happening next and uh, and what people in the hotel business think is going to happen next as we come out of the pandemic, what's going to change fundamentally, what's up, what's down. How are consumers going to change their behaviour uh, at all, if at all, uh, on an ongoing basis as we come out of this pandemic? Um, and uh, one of the things we've noted is that um, there does seem to be a greater interest in the extended stay uh, space, uh, not least because um, uh, KSL, the private equity investor from the States, has gone as far as setting up a new division to specifically concentrate on acquiring assets in select service and the extended sector, uh, something which they previously had not got anywhere near. Uh, but they've obviously decided that there looks to be some good uh, returns to be had from acquiring that type of property. Um, there are also other things uh, going on. So, for example, Schroeder's Capital are looking to uh, build up a new fund of kind of uh, not distressed properties, but uh, properties that are ticking along nicely um, they want uh, that because they believe they've got plenty of pension fund clients who are looking for a nice steady return from a good uh, good group of well stabilized hotels um, so some interesting thoughts uh, Knight Frank came out with some some ideas uh, they're doing a number of papers looking at where they see the opportunities and the challenges in the uh, uh, hotel spaces that emerges from the pandemic and uh, they, I think the point they've made is that uh, you need to be really quick uh, in, in reacting to uh, retain the goodwill of staff and communities and guests as things open up. Um, if you sit back, then you may lose. So plenty of things to mull over as the occupancy start to rise once more. This all talks to the mantra we have repeatedly uh, used here on the podcast and within the pages of Hotel Analyst, and that is COVID as an accelerant rather than COVID as an agent for change. Um, and clearly what we had with the extended stay segment, um, stroke service departments, stroke apart hotel, sort of bordering into... Um, corporate housing um, you know it's it's a blurry area but but these rough 
roughly speaking we're talking about slightly bigger rooms with some form of um, kitchen mm -hmm. um, these types of properties have been a big success story um, were already um, a growing segment but during the pandemic during the lockdowns um, that uh, were used to try and um, contain the pandemic uh, they were able on the whole to stay open and they had a better um, time than regular hotels which usually had to close um, this makes uh, them look much more resilient it makes them look uh, a much safer bet in addition as I think we've already mentioned in terms of that um, that Bernstein study on return on investment um, they, 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 they do a fantastic job there as well uh, partly you, you don't have to have a kitchen you don't have to offer all of that stuff as in you don't have to have a service kitchen um, you put the kitchen actually in each individual room um, so it's a very different approach um, in in terms of the the level of uh, um, resourcing that has to go on in terms of the back of house um, you don't need the staff levels um, you can reduce the cleaning um, all of these good things from a from an operator perspective make it look a particularly appealing segment now of course the question is what happens once the restrictions are fully lifted now we're talking a year to maybe three years down the track when we are fully back to to how things um, were in 2019 um, at that point um, are they going to look um, as promising as they do right now probably not i would argue but i think they will still look quite promising i think the reasons that they were um, growing faster than most other segments uh, pre-pandemic still hold post-pandemic and i think you know with these added incentives they've got going there I, I think the critical bit is investors not overpaying for those assets and thinking about actually what we're trying to build here is a long-term platform um, we need to think uh, you know 10 20 years which is when people typically make their money in the in the accommodation space um i i think if you're building a platform out uh you could possibly exit that investment a bit quicker than that um especially if you're looking at some of the early investors in these platforms um but for those people coming in right now if they're thinking they're going to make a quick turn on buying up apartments um service departments or extended stay properties uh, i really just don't see that happening i think it's too challenging um and i think they're either going to be brave or foolish to to try and do it in terms of short-term flip okay now we're going to turn to our uh, weekly awards uh five star and no star awards andrew i think you're going to award the five stars this week yeah, well, I think certainly for North America and Europe, we're, we're at something of a turning point in terms of the attitude of the authorities towards lockdowns. Now, I may be speaking too mm, soon. I hope not. Uh, but mm. I surely... <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, but I think there's a gradual extent. The, the Delta variant is... Uh, you know proving quite a tricky little number um and it, and it you know if you've got vaccinated you're almost certainly not going to end up in hospital unless you've got an underlying condition but you are still likely to get some sort of symptoms and be able to pass it on there's a gradual acceptance actually this is an endemic disease now and we're going to have to learn to live with it um and which means that lockdowns really aren't the way forward anymore uh, I, I think that has hit home in 
Europe and North America and is becoming the zero Covid strategy of parts of Asia in particular is not looking so clever anymore um, and certainly they've saved lives there's no question about that but how you get out of it I mean, if you look at what's going on in New Zealand with this almost total lockdown they've got with a handful of cases um, this can't be you can't have that as the way forward you can't re re remain completely isolated um, unless you're going to have a serious impact on your economy and I think this is a problem in China where there's been an outbreak as well um, Australia um, off and on in places like Hong Kong Taiwan South Korea um, so and I think they're going to shift to a the same approach of of the rest of us in terms of Europe and North America and accept it's endemic and accept the way forward and the way out of this is to live with it and stop trying to sort of lock us all down to sort of get rid of it and our no star award is uh, delivered this week uh, on the basis that uh, the old debate between OTAs and Booking Direct has n not gone away. It's still with us like a stuck record. Um, the, the battle continues and uh, we're awarding no stars this week to a group of French hoteliers who are complaining about the fact that uh, the OTAs are charging them commission for delivering customers. Uh, they think that they should be given a bit of a, a, a discount to help them out as they come out of the pandemic. Um, I say no stars for you. Go away, sort out your web presence, get Instagramming, <laughs> and go and find your customers yourself if you don't like paying someone else to do it for you. Yeah, well, it is a question of how you get that because uh, I think the problem is that if you look at it, in most cases, if you get them direct it costs nearly as much as if you get them through an OTA it's about that relationship an ongoing relationship with a customer um, and I think the problem is that independent hoteliers in particular just simply haven't evolved enough in terms of their attitude and approach to that customer relationship piece um, um, to to get the the nuances that are out there in terms of the distribution um, and you know either a, adopt a brand or go all in with an OTA um, trying to moan about it and expect regulation to come and save you uh, you know surely after 20 plus years you'll have learned that that's not going to happen and on that note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>